0: was still struggling with keeping things in Um, I was struggling with sleeping and I can remember just having you know suicidal thoughts man and I was like why
1: hello this is Al Levin the creator and host of the depression files if you enjoy the podcast and have found value in the show please check out my patreon page there, you'll be able to support me financially with as little as a dollar a month. Your support will help me offset the cost of the podcast hosting site, maintain and update my equipment, and support the amount of time that it takes in order to produce the show. You can find my Patreon page at patreon.com slash the depression files. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the depression files. In addition, it would help me out greatly if you could take a minute to rate and review the show. Thank you for considering to support me in these ways. And now, to the show. Welcome to The Depression Files, an interview format show in which you'll hear stories of men who have struggled with depression and or other mental illnesses. In addition, you'll hear deep dive conversations with guest experts on various topics related to mental health, topics such as depression and other mental illnesses, medication, suicide awareness and prevention, our current mental health system, and of course, the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. I believe that both sharing stories and educating people are ways to chip away at the stigma. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Al Levin, the host of The Depression Files, and I am really excited. Tonight on the line we have Ricky Sapp. Ricky is a former NFL linebacker and a current inspirational speaker. Ricky, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, the, the first time that you caught my eye really was through Twitter. I'm on Twitter quite a bit, and I know one of the quotes that I read from you was essentially like, talk about and share your anxiety and or depression, right? And uh, that really struck me as, you know, an ex-professional athlete and somebody who's into health and fitness and also talking about openly about mental health and making sure others are doing the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, once I learned about my anxiety and depression and overcame it, you know, and then I started doing motivational speaking and I thought it was important to be vulnerable and speak about that more cuz I know people are going through it and they are afraid to talk about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's incredible when, you know, I think we see it more, people like yourself, you know, professional NFL player talking about, "Hey, I get this anxiety. I get this depression." And and you can overcome it. Right. I think it takes work. It takes time and effort, but it's doable. And I think you're an awesome role model. And I love that a lot more people are starting to talk about it. I know you you mentioned uh, that you have had anxiety and depression since childhood.
0: Yeah, you know, and I had it for childhood and high school and and college is when it really started to show its face. Right. And then the NFL is when I really had to address it and learn about it.
1: Okay, so it, it, you pretty much lived with it unaddressed until professional football.
0: Yeah, you uh-huh. know, um, to to tell you the truth, and so in college, I started to throw up before games in college, and of course, you know, my coaches thought that I was just excited and and hype and hype and ready to go. Turned out, it was because of my my anxiety, yeah. and, and depression. So. Um, I got in the NFL, and what happened was I started throwing up before every practice for about, man, I think three weeks straight. Really? And, yeah. And then, you know, at first it was like, oh, maybe you're just, you know, nervous. You know, you're nervous. Yeah. But now it turned out that I was just still going through my, I was, my anxiety and depression was starting to, you know, speak uh, through me that way because I was, right. you know, holding everything in for so long.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, so when you talk about anxiety and depression having been all the way back in childhood, I'm guessing that that's probably you now as an adult looking in hindsight thinking, "Oh yeah, I probably that was definitely a part of my life." Or at the time when you were younger, did you realize what was going on?
0: I didn't. But so as I got older, you know, in high school and college, I looked back at some things um, that I did when I was a kid, and I was like, you know what, that was my anxiety. That was me going through, you know, anxiety and depression uh, because of some of the things that I was doing. So, you know, I went through um, a lot of different things, and, and 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 I held so much of it in, and eventually my body started to to break down, and you know, in college I started to have suicidal thoughts, and I, I had no idea why you know, I was having those kind of thoughts.
1: Right. Right. What, uh, so when you were, when you were younger, can you give some examples of, of things that, that you look back at that were going on? Some of the challenges that
0: you endured? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, um, as a kid, I got in a lot of trouble. You know, I got kicked out of school when I was in eighth grade Okay. and I can remember even being younger. I can remember that I had um, I had really bad anger issues like I would get really mad really fast and kind of act out um, But I can remember Just you know having a lot of energy as a kid and not really understanding it and yeah. then Just kind of having I don't know. It was just like, it's like I kind of had negative thoughts at a young age You know negative um,
1: thoughts about yourself and even about yeah.
0: suicide do you think no? Ah not really suicide, but just negative thoughts. Right. Um uh, First, I want to say, you know, I grew up in, you know, with both parents, my sisters and brothers, you know, and all that good stuff. But it was a lot of uh back and forth, you know, with my mom and dad, a lot of back and forth. And, and what then, you do you know, mean it, when
1: you say back and forth?
0: Like well, you know, arguing, back and fighting? forth. Yeah, yeah. A lot of back and forth, arguing right. and fighting, you know, divorce. Yeah. Not, not divorce. And then... It was four of us in the house as far as kids and i felt like i you know i got everything i needed from my parents except for attention okay you know and when i feel like as a kid when you don't get that you have no idea how to voice it
1: yeah
0: does that that make sense so i think absolutely yeah as a young age i think that's where my uh you know anxiety and and depression you know started to build yeah
1: so I don't know if, uh, if you realize this, but I am a, a school administrator in a pre-K through grade eight school, in a public school, large urban district here in St. Paul Public, St. Paul public Schools in Minnesota. And uh, you know, your story really resonates with me. And, and we're doing a lot of racial equity work and looking at how quick we are to judge black male students. And how Mm -hmm. quick we are to be like, you got anger and we're putting you into special ed. That's what you need. They'll fix you or you have problems rather than like now we're really pushing to kind of look at that, like to understand like so Ricky as a 10 or 11 year old shouting out and acting out like he's trying to communicate something and there's something going on. And let's dig into this and try to figure it out and work with him rather than slap labels on you and kind of write you off, essentially, you know?
0: I love that, man. That, that, that is very powerful because that's the first thing they do to black, the black males. Yeah. When they're young, that's the, they either put, put them on medicine or they try to put them in the special ed class.
1: And, and Yeah, I think you're right. We do that so often. And so you would act out, and I hear you saying, I got no attention at home. This was what got me the attention at school. Acting mm-hmm. out, even if it was negative attention, it was attention, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you give so, some
1: examples of how you would be acting out in school to seek out that attention?
0: Oh man, um, you know, one of the things up top was, uh, well, off top of my mind was, you know, I, I wouldn't follow the rules. Like at my school, we had, um, we had dress code. Yeah. Uh, you know, we couldn't wear hats in the building. You know, we had to wear khakis. So, you know, I would go against that. Now, uh, once I saw that my friends, or peers, you know, thought it was cool and would laugh at it, I started to thrive off of that because I, you know, I wasn't getting attention at home. So I was like, "Man, okay, now I have attention of of my peers." Right. Let me build on it. Um, another thing was, you know, I became uh, disrespectful towards teachers. Um, I, be, yeah, I, I, I would uh, start fights. You know, any little thing that I could do to to gain attention. Now, without me even realizing that that it was just negative and the wrong way to go about it, it's just what I did yeah. until eventually um, I got in eighth grade. And, man, they they kicked me out of school. I got kicked out of school in eighth grade.
1: Really? Was that due to fighting types of situations?
0: It, 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 it was just due to uh, so many write-ups, man. I, you know, I, I've had – I think I went, when I went into the office – in the principal office, he said, Look, you know, you got over 81 ride ups, man. You know, I, I can't let you stay in my school with that many write-ups. So they, they kicked me out of school and I had to go to alternative school. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, you know, we're I'm again proud of our school district and examining what kinds of expectations we are putting on our students um, from our like my own white male perspective right? Like sit and be disciplined and listen and raise your hand. And, you know, it's, it's not the way it, it is for everybody and really examining what we're doing and, uh, and why students are getting written up and how do we really engage with the kids and build those relationships so we can have a better understanding and really work and connect with the kids. So it's uh, so you, you got booted out in eighth grade, which oh, yeah. also sends an incredibly harsh message to a poor eighth-grade kid, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're no good. You can't cut it here. Not probably feeling like you're not smart enough, I would imagine. Just a, bunch, a, a huge hit on the self-esteem, I would think.
0: Well, you know, I, I'll tell you this before I tell you that. It's, I love what you said as far as how can we um, build a relationship with the kids. Um, it's three things that I tell people that, you know, you have to give kids attention, energy and love, and, yes. sometimes tough, and sometimes tough love. You know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I do to every kid that I have the opportunity to be around.
1: That's um, awesome. That's awesome. That's what I'm trying to communicate to teachers, too. We need to love them up first. Let them know we yeah. really care about them, and we, we want to. them in the classroom.
0: We, we, we have to. You know, for me, at that point, when I got kicked out of school, and, you know, I can remember – uh the principal calling and I was with, I was I was at that time I was in the house living with my my mom's parents and they called and they you know they told my grandma and then my grandma called my mom then when she called it was like kind it was kind of like well we're not surprised right. <laughs> and, right. and that was kind of it you know and at that moment now I look back on it that does something to a kid man because again it's like all right you know nobody really is expecting me to do much. Yep. You know, so yep. I'm gonna continue to do what I'm <laughs> what I'm doing anyway.
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of like that's what the people, the adults around you, expected of you. You know, they they would expect you to walk in and create negative attention or disrupt, be disruptive, or create a fight, and that's what they would watch for. Then you know, and yeah, uh, yeah that's really sad. That's really a, a pretty common, typical experience. I hope. I hope it's getting fewer and fewer. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were acting the way you figured they expected you to, and they probably really did expect you to. And then yeah. the kid sitting next to you who happened to be white might very well get away with doing something that you yeah. did, and you get called out on it because you then get targeted, consciously or
0: subconsciously, by teachers, I would think. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't disagree with that. I yeah. really wouldn't.
1: Yeah. yeah. So what was it like when you uh, jumped into an alternative setting then? Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine, did you have to meet with the admin team right away or the principal?
0: Uh, so when I went to the alternative school, I had to abide by the high school rules. So, of course, you know, I, I think I met with the high school principal or something like that, maybe. And, he, you know, he we just went over the rules and yeah, that was it. That was it.
1: Yeah. So, what was your the alternative high school experience for you like?
0: Man, it was it was it was really boring, and you know, it was uh, it was tough um, yeah. because you know we was in a small setting, and you know we was there all day, literally. You know, um, you know, looking at the same people and and and, and doing the same things every day. Right. Uh, it was rough, man. It was really it a was. tough crew? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. It, awesome. it it wasn't a tough Yeah, it wasn't a tough group at all. It really wasn't.
1: Yeah. You know, I would also imagine that throughout all of your years up through 8th grade, while you're acting out and getting all these, you know, probably a bunch of suspensions and kicked out of school and so forth, your academics are falling, right? Oh, They're going yeah. down and oh. down and down. And then you get to high school and you aren't reading at grade level is my guess cuz we see that all the time. And, you know, it it's like a lot of that responsibility is on the educators and the system that had done that
0: to you. Well, I'll tell you this. I could I could be an A and B student. But when I was in when I was in school and I figured out that that, uh, you know, not making A's and B's was like the cool thing. Right. Right. (laughs) That's what I went with. Once I figured out that teachers would uh, expect more of me, if I showed them I could make the A's and B's. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna just do just enough to get you know to get by. But you know, teachers are so incredible; they know when you are uh, capable of doing so much more. Oh yeah. So you know, I ran into so many teachers like that. It was like, look, I know you holding back. I know you can do so much more. So that was my whole thing as far as the education. I just made sure I did just enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's awesome all- to hear that you also had this good experience from educators saying, I know you can do oh, better, Ricky. I know you oh, can, I and I want to see it. And some of that is the tough love, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Like yeah. really pushing our students. So where, remind me where you went to college. I'm spacing on that right now.
0: So I went to the best college in the world, Clemson University.
1: Yeah, and how did you get into Clemson uh, after your high school experience being in an alternative school? And out of curiosity, was there a high school football team through the alternative school that you could play on?
0: So uh, this is what happened. Um, My middle school principal, um, you know, after the school year was over, he was like, look, you know, I'm going to put you in summer school because I think that you have a lot of potential. Awesome to do a lot of great things. And then he said, and, you know, I I think you have a, um, I think you have a career in playing basketball, you know, see, you know, basketball was like my first love. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. First love. So I go to summer school, I get into high school. um, I couldn't play football because they had a rule that, you know, you have to wait 45 days to play the next sport. Okay. And football was next. So I get in high school, and in my ninth grade year, you know, I played varsity basketball, but couldn't play football. And look, I I, I begged them to play football. and I really did. I begged <laughs> really? them. To make, yeah, but you know, they had to follow the rules. Cause you know, my friends played and you know, I want to play. Yeah. So as I get in high school, I started to get around um, you know, some of my childhood friends and and, and, and more of them. They started to mature. And you know, you are who you hang around. So yeah. I started to mature i met my um i met my godmother at my high school who's my godmother now. Mm-hmm. i met her and you know i started to mature man and then i had my godmother who worked at the school i had the coaches i had uh, the library teacher the guidance counselor i had so many people around me that you know i had no way to run so mm-hmm. i had nothing else to do but grow <laughs> and they, so, were
1: all, they were all a supportive crew for you, rooting oh, for you man. and cheering you on. That's so cool.
0: Oh, man. It was amazing, man. It, 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 it takes a village to raise kids. Yeah. You know. It takes yeah. a village. But it's so and, awesome,
1: too, to see that like, an administrator pulled you aside in middle school and said, I oh, see yeah. this in you, right? Probably like I see a leader in you and somebody who could be out there on the field or on the court, And and I see that. And I see you, and I like what I see.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, man. I, you know, all all throughout my my school career, before I got into high school, I had teachers and coaches that that would say that to me. They were like, look, you know, you got so much potential. I see it. You can do this and that. Once I got into high school, it was like, all right, dang, here we go again. Right. I got no way to run. But I got to high school and all those people was under one building. <laughs> right. So I had no way to run. So my friends, you know, my parents, but my godmother, the coaches, the library teacher, the guidance counselor, like I had no way to run, yeah, no way to run. So, you know, I started to mature, you know, I started playing football in 10th grade. We got, a, we got a new head coach that came in, and when he saw me play, he was like, man, I don't know if you know or not, but, you know, you have an opportunity to play some big college football. I'm like, and me, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm just playing football. <laughs> I'm just having fun. And – uh yeah, I, I stopped playing football, I stopped maturing, and football lir- literally took off. Yeah, and I started getting my name out there. And uh, once I got offer from Clemson, and, and I think the the Gamecocks, man, it just took off, and I had an offer from everywhere. Wow. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I made a decision to go to Clemson, and you know, that's how I got to Clemson.
1: Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. And, man. and then you talked about, you know, so then you're in college playing college yeah. ball probably i would think feeling is it a lot of pressure playing college ball like that
0: oh man i think so yeah um, i would think so without a doubt yeah without and, a doubt and that's yeah.
1: when you started started throwing up before some games and
0: things well i'll tell you this and uh man i'll be honest with you so i get i get the clemson and uh how i got the clemson was um my 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 college girlfriend, high school sweetheart, she actually went to Clemson too. So at the time I had an ear infection. So she drove, she was driving me to, to Clemson and was following my mom. We get to Clemson, right? Uh orientation for all the athletes. We get to Clemson. I get out the car and you know, my you know, my girlfriend's getting out the car. My mom never gets out the car. <laughs> She's yeah. car. so I said, Mom, you know, you're not getting out. She's like, nah, I gotta get back. So I'm like, what about dad? You know, she say something that dad do some. So my mom never got the car. Wow. And, you know, at that yeah, at that moment in my life, I was still at the, I was still at that moment where I was holding things in and yep. just brushing them off and like saying, yeah, whatever, whatever. So that moment in my life was 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 it was really a tough moment that I later on in life had to struggle with and deal with. Right. Um,
1: because you but- felt unsupported by your mom
0: it was just, I just couldn't understand it. I was like, man, yeah. you know, I'm the only one out of the, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a huge deal, man. Yeah, like I'm yeah. going to Simpson university, you know, to, huge but it, deal. it goes, it goes back to what I was telling you about the attention. Right. You know, like, and, and, and in my mind, as I got older and started thinking about it, what I was, what I was uh, saying in the back of my head was, you don't see me. Like, come on, man! I'm. Right. This is a big deal. You know, this yeah, is a huge deal. Yeah. So now, the work. The bad part about it was we we I go into orientation, right, and it is it's all the athletes. It's uh, basketball, track, everybody, okay. all the first athletes. Yep. They have magazines laid out all over the place to talk about all the athletes. Right. On the front cover of this magazine. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even know about that shot, I didn't even know about it until uh, another athlete's mother leaned down and was like, "Is this you?" and when I think about it now, I'm like, man, you know, my mom and dad didn't even yeah, did not even here to see it, yet. you know, right, so it's, right. it's it's stuff like that that I held in for so long and didn't talk about. Did that. you
1: ever reconnect with your mom later in life as an adult to say I um, what was I going on? And, and did she share with I you did. what was going on with her?
0: To be honest, she didn't. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. now nah, I will say this. She she felt really bad about it and she would cry when I bring it up. Yeah, uh, I, I'll say that. I'll
1: do you that. have some thoughts about it? Like, was she just nervous? Was she what do you <sighs> think on reflecting back
0: about it? Well, I, I, I give her the benefit of the doubt as far as she just didn't know. Yeah, because I was. I was the first one to uh, go to college and be doing something so big. And, you know, I I just think that she didn't know, you know, my mom and dad was, was unbelievable, man, as far as going to work, providing and teaching us what, what hard work looks like. But it was, in my opinion, it was just that attention that uh, I didn't receive. Right. Yeah.
1: And who knows, you know, she was probably feeling a bunch of mixed emotions herself. Like here you are leaving home moving on out, hitting the big time. Mm -hmm. It could have been, you know, I'm I'm sure she was super proud. And at the same time, worried, scared. That is, that's cool though. So you, so you go in, you have your orientation and are you kind of flying high at this point? Like, Holy crap. I'm on a magazine. Like I'm at Clemson. You like riding high at this point, or are you just kind of scared?
0: What's it, what's it like? I'm riding high because you know I was highly recruited. You know I was this big time recruit coming out of uh, you know my my Bamberg, South Carolina, my my city. So I'm riding high, you know, and uh, you know I'm 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 ready to roll. I'm ready to see what the college life is like.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when did the challenges start to make their way into your life?
0: So as we get going into the regular school year, you know, I'm having to adjust to. Uh, practice, study hall, um, early morning workouts, and and all that stuff. Man, that thing jumped on me. It jumped on me pretty quick because, you know, I, I had to learn time management. Right. Um, but, but I struggled with it, man. I really did. I, I struggled really bad. And again, I was someone who never would talk about anything. I was just, you know, brush it off and, and just keep it in. So, um, you know, I was dealing with the the the, the fact that I was struggling um with getting used to the schedule with classes, study hall practice, early morning workouts and all that stuff it, it was it was a it was a struggle man it really was.
1: Yeah it must have just been overwhelming, I would think. and your first time away from home
0: it really was and my first year at Clemson University I almost almost <laughs> uh, almost went back home really? I really did. Y'all oh, yeah, man. I was struggling with I was just struggling with the time management, and I was thinking, like, man, this is what college football is about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, this is a lot.
1: Yeah, a right. Lot. And and yeah. when you compare like the jump from high school football to college, can you even oh, describe that?
0: Oh my God. It's 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 a whole different world, man. Yeah, uh, it really is. Cause you're talking about now, you're doing you're taking college classes with, you know, at Clemson man, sometimes it's 90 kids as opposed to in high school. My high school, year was like 20 kids, maybe. Right. You know? 20 kids. So you go from that to like 80 kids. You go from having to be in study hall uh 10 hours a week. You have to get 10 hours a week. Um, you go from from all of that to um, now you're doing college practice, college practices, college workouts. Yeah. And you have to do that every day. It was like, holy crap.
1: And were those you know, this, workouts just like ten times harder and tougher than in well, high school?
0: I won't say they were ten times harder because I, I had a really, really great scream coach in high school. I really okay. did. For me, it was just the whole it was the whole whole thing of everything back to back, like, man, you gotta do this, now this, now this, now this, now this. Okay, now I do it all over again the next day. Right, <laughs> right, right. And right. I wasn't asking for help. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I was yep. trying to just, you know, whatever. Tough it you out. Know, that's it. Tough yeah. it out.
1: That's Especially, it. I think, you know, I talk about the stigma for men with anxiety and depression, and I think it's even much worse. I've ta- interviewed a lot, quite a few black men, and I think that image and that machismo type of thing is even stronger when it's men of color versus a white man, and, and I feel it as a white dude, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Wow! You know, yeah,
1: and then like, were you able to? Were you a starter right away as a freshman?
0: So I came in and I was uh, I, I I was behind, um, uh, Gaines Adams. Uh, he 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 died. You know, a couple of years uh, back. But I played behind him. He was a senior, incredible guy. You know, he was I think the fourth pick overall in the NFL draft. So wow. Yeah, I played behind him my freshman year, and then I started all three years after that. Okay, and is there
1: a feeling of camaraderie, like with the dude who's starting, and you, and is he trying to mentor and grow you, or is it just like he's scared that you're going to catch up to him, and it's just against each other, rather than bonding?
0: Oh, man, it was bonding, man. He was incredible. Yeah, man, you know, he tried to teach me everything on the field and off the field, so it, it, it it was definitely amazing to be. Uh, playing behind it
1: that's really cool yeah it's really cool i was i was really kind of taken aback when i had heard that especially the nfl and we can get into that a little soon too but the nfl some people describe it as like man there's not really team camaraderie like you would think it's like I'm busting my ass to be first string or I'm chomping, you know, on the first string dude so I can get there. Like I just you're really looking out for yourself. And I it maybe it even varies team by team, even in the NFL, but that's kind of the the impression I've gotten.
0: Yeah, I will tell you right now, college is is, is, is everybody is tight. Yeah. Is tight like it's a family. That's crazy. NFL. It's nothing like that. It's 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 not really the camaraderie because you have a bunch of bunch of grown men that's getting yeah. you know getting paid top dollar that has to provide right. for their family. So a lot of times they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about look, I got to get me and make sure my family's taken care of, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, right, that's it. Right.
1: Wow. So so Clemson, awesome uh, experience. It sounds like, but although you were dealing with some of the anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. Was there some depression, too, I would imagine? I mean, when you're debating whether or not to call it quits and head home.
0: Well, so that's when I that's when I started to figure like, man, something is going on. You know, so I'm at Clemson. It was an incredible experience. It really was. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, once I got over that hump my freshman year, um, uh, my, one, my my cousin, actually, Dequan Bowles, he came from my hometown. He came to Clemson the next year. And you know that just made things ten times better having him there. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, so my experience at Clemson was was, was incredible. But while I'm there, I was still struggling with keeping things in. Yeah, um, I was struggling with sleeping. Okay. And um, I can remember just having you know suicidal thoughts. Man, yeah. and I was like, like, oh, why? Right, you know, I was like, "Why am I having this?" Um, and you know, they, 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 they tried. They, they put me with a, a therapist in college.
1: Okay, but, that's
0: cool. Yeah, but I, I wasn't willing to open up. Yeah, and, and tell the yeah. truth.
1: Yeah, no, that. That sounds really challenging, and it's interesting to me that you mentioned the sleep factor, too, because, holy crap, sleep is so important, and it's very common, I think, with depression and anxiety that your mind is reeling, and you can't sleep, you can't turn it off, Um, and I really struggled with that, and then that impacts your mental and physical health so much, and you get more agitated, and you're not probably not at your fittest you're not thinking right and a lot of it it, it, i like i couldn't even distinguish like is that my depression is that my lack of sleep like i don't even know but my cognition everything was definitely impacted a lot and i would imagine that 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 just only adds more stress you're not sleeping well and then you're going getting up early for practice
0: Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah it definitely did it was definitely tough
1: and so they so they saw it in you and and recommended that you see a psychologist or were yeah, you kind of yeah. reaching out for help? Doesn't sound like no, you were no. reaching
0: out for help, right? Uh, no well they saw I think they saw it and you know it was like hey you know I want you to talk to you know talk to the athlete, you know uh, a yeah. therapist and just have some conversations with them. That's Incredible awesome. guy. Incredible guy, but you know I, I just wasn't at that part of my life I wasn't willing to yeah you know, talk you know, yeah. when
1: we talk. I don't know about for you, but like, there was a lot of shame in my depression. And it's, I think that's another piece that makes a lot of men not want to admit to it and speak about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had so much shame. I was like, I would walk into my Walgreens for the prescription of antidepressants and I would walk up and down every aisle before I'd go to the counter to ask for my depression meds, my antidepressants, just to make sure no neighbor would might see me at the counter. You know, it was crazy in hindsight to look back at that. So you, you didn't really open up to the therapist. Were you? Were there any other supports for you? or you just?
0: I wasn't giving anybody. A, I, I wasn't giving anybody a chance to support me because uh, you know, right? I wasn't willing to, you know, talk about it. Yeah, and you know, I just wanted to talk about it. Yep.
1: But you, so you managed, though, right? You ended up with a decent career. Clearly,
0: I, I did. I, I managed, and um, it just just looking back, it's it's crazy because. Had I addressed those things, I think earlier, I think it would have been even uh, even better and smooth smoother. Yeah. uh, uh, A career.
1: Right. 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 So then you get recruited right Mm -hmm. into the NFL immediately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got drafted in the fifth round in 2010 NFL draft. Yep. And
1: again, must have just been flying high. Like, I mean, is this kind of surreal to you at that point, or were you expecting?
0: Um, It's. It's, it's kind of the same feeling as, as as I as I was at Clemson, man. As I when I came into Clemson, I was just like, man, you know, shoot, you know, here I am. Now I'm at the professional level. You know, it's a childhood dream. Yeah. So, and in my mind, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just I'm I'm here to play football. You know, like I've been doing all my life. Right. Yeah. And I know
1: you talked about the high school jump to the college jump being a big jump, college to NFL.
0: It's a, yeah. It's 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 it's, it's, t- it's totally different, you know. There's there's no more school, right? All you have to do now is do football. that's your job. Yeah, that's your job.
1: Football practicing. I would imagine a a ton of weightlifting, yeah. cardio, just training all day or playing.
0: A ton of watching film and yeah. playbook, and it's a whole different world. It's just yeah. it's just football.
1: And was that overwhelming at first for you, or was that kind of a relief to not have to worry about the coursework?
0: The school part was a huge relief. Yeah, <laughs> but but when you when you, when you look at the NFL, you was like, all right, no more school. But it's a revolving door. Yeah. So if you, if you're not doing your job, you're here today, going tomorrow. Right. So right. once you learn that, it's like holy crap! Like, and then once you see it. You're like, man. All right, I gotta, man. I gotta be on my p's and q's every day. Yeah. It's a, you know.
1: Yep. And and then, how quickly was it that you noticed, like, holy crap, I'm I'm throwing up before practice. I'm throwing up before games. Well,
0: I started I started throwing up my in my rookie training camp. That believe it or not, my rookie training camp. I started throwing up. Yeah. Now. Um, Were you
1: trying to hide that, too, by the way? Or? I,
0: uh, I was. I was. But for me, lucky for me at that moment, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. It really wasn't. Right Now, as my NFL career is going on, um, I get to the New York Jets, and Rex Ryan was the head coach, and he was like, look, you know, we want you to see our therapist. Okay. And and this was before he signed me. He was like, look, you know, we want you to talk to her first. And based off what she, what you guys talk about, what she say, then we'll move forward with, you know, signing you to the team.
1: Wow. So it really was dependent on
0: this meeting. Yes. So at that point I was like, holy crap. You know, I don't have a choice, but to open, be honest yeah. Uh,
1: well, it's interesting that you have that thought because in my mind, I'm thinking like, holy crap, do you go in and lie and pretend everything's okay so that you don't risk losing the job with the new team? Or do yeah. you go in and open up and be honest? But And you chose the honesty way.
0: Well, when I met the therapist, I met the therapist, it was like, okay, wow, okay, I really feel I don't know, it was just a moment of, all right, let's let's talk let's let's unload it let's unload it yeah cool yeah yeah so i started talking and you know that 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 was it i was you know i I opened up and it it felt really good it really did
1: it did right off the bat it it was a good
0: feeling it was okay
1: cool and then from that meeting then the that was the jets you said
0: yep new york jets and
1: and they signed you then after that meeting
0: they signed me, um, but I had to see my therapist every week, and then I had to see an outside therapist as well, who, uh, who prescribed me medicine.
1: Wow! Yeah. So that was part of the requirement. That
0: was part of the contract. Of, that was part of the contract. Yeah. You have to meet with the team therapist every week, wow. and I had to meet with the outside therapist. I think maybe twice a month, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And how did you feel about that? Were you feeling like they can't make um, me do this. Or, or were you looking forward to it after having a good, a first appointment?
0: I was kind of looking forward to, it. I was like, all right, yeah. man, that, that felt good. Like, all right, let's, let's keep on, you know, talking. And she was really good with yeah. her job. She really was. And um, It you know, seems I, I was, to me,
1: it seems really supportive. Like, Hey, we want you on the team. We need you to be physically and mentally fit. And we want you to see a therapist.
0: Well, you know, if, if you know anything about Rex Ryan, he is a true players coach. Yeah. You know, he's all about the players and, and taking care of the players. So he knew, you know, coming from the Eagles that I had some, you know, some, some, some issues. And that was the first thing he said. He said, look, you know, talk to our therapist. Yeah. And then we'll, move, we'll move forward. Yeah. And
1: How do you think he knew that information? I mean, is it because coaches well, talk or? Of
0: course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so your previous coach was the Eagles, wasn't it?
0: Yep, Andy Reid. Yep.
1: Yeah, and and you're assuming that those coaches yeah. they might have said something like, "Yeah, he's an awesome player, working out some mental health issues or something to that effect." Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, did you start on medications right away as well?
0: I did, man. Okay. They put me, Yep, I did.
1: And and how did how tell us about that process? Were you nervous about medications and? And how did that go from the get-go?
0: Well, I was someone who was never afraid of medicine. You know, if it worked, perfect. Yeah. I'll try. You know, if you you said it's work, I'll give it opportunity. So, you know, I I had a sleeping. I struggled with sleeping for two. So they put me on some uh, antidepressants that helped me sleep, but also helped me be, yeah, also helped me be calm. Right. um, um, The next day. So- it worked it was working for me it okay that's awesome
1: did yeah, do you remember if it took some time for it to to really impact you because i know a lot of times they say it takes you know four to six weeks to get to at least to get to the like therapeutic level maybe you feel a little bit better
0: in the beginning i would have to agree it, it probably took a couple of weeks to yeah. where i was like all right this stuff is okay yeah right. you know it, it, i I could see you know how it was affecting me in, in a in a positive way yeah
1: cool and yeah. would you say were you feeling any kind of shame or or were you open i mean did your buddies on the team well i know there may not have been buddies at the professional level but did guys know and were you able to share or even with your friends off the field uh that you were taking meds or you were know, you really quiet about that nobody
0: really knew yeah but I will say this look at this the jets had um they really Rex Ryan really did a, a a great job of making sure that you knew that it was okay to go see the therapist.
1: Yeah. So we had, had a hour. bunch
0: of other we had a bunch of other players too that would go see this therapist. So and she made sure that we all communicated.
1: That's Like
0: cool. she made sure like hey you guys you know communicate. So um but they didn't they, they didn't know and I didn't tell them yeah. you know that, you know what what I was was taking. Right,
1: right. Uh-huh. But that's awesome and I like that philosophy of you ought to connect together because one of the yeah. pieces that I also really am a strong believer in is peer support groups. And I think that's yeah. what she was kind of getting at, you know, yeah. you got a yeah. shared experience here, you know, you're in the NFL, this is not easy and you can share your struggles and challenges with these guys if you can trust them. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. And so did that take care of, the throwing up? I mean, did you see your depression and anxiety? Were you feeling, I mean, were you at 100% mental health once you were seeing the psychologist and taking the meds?
0: I started to, I started to, I started to heal. I started to understand what anxiety and depression was. I started to grow. I started to understand that I had to continue to figure this thing out and I had to start talking. Right. Uh, She got me to the point where I was uh, addressing, you know, my parents with stuff and, you know, addressing people about things that I've been holding in for years. That's awesome. Yeah. So I started to grow and learn about it. That's I really cool. did. I'm not going to say I got it, it. I was 100%, but I was really close um, during my five years in the NFL. I got really close and I started to feel really good in year three, four, and five. I started to feel really good. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome.
1: And uh, just out of curiosity, was the therapist, I know you mentioned it was a woman, was yeah. she a white woman?
0: She was, she was, she and, was. did
1: you feel like that makes a difference? I'm thinking about other, like, well, especially other black men who are listening to the show, hearing you yeah. say, yeah, I went to a therapist, it was a great experience, because like you said, and I believe, there are a lot of black men out there who are just like, I can't tell anybody I'm going through yeah. this tough time, I gotta just buck up.
0: Well, I'll tell you this: I was still in the process of. I wasn't thinking about you know color. color. I, I I wasn't yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. Right. Um, so at that time, that moment, I was just like, "Look, man, I'm going to a therapist. She's great. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it now. Uh, uh, once I got out of the NFL, and I had the opportunity to work with a black therapist, it was amazing because yeah. I felt like she could kind of feel um, you know, uh, feel me and, and, and kind of understand, you know, uh, yeah, uh sure. understanding better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my first time walking into a men's support group, I was in a deep dark place mm-hmm. and I like opened up right away and felt really comfortable. I've been going to that group now for a lot of years and there are multiple groups. They're never a person of color. And I just think like, for a black man to walk into our group probably wouldn't be half as comfortable as it was for me with mm-hmm. a bunch of men who were white like me, similar age like me. And I think still being a black man, there's a, a little bit of discomfort there and probably justifiably lack of trust and, and would take more time to build,
0: I would think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. So you went through, how many different teams were you on in your five years?
0: Three different teams, the the Eagles, Jets, and then I finished down with the Houston Texans.
1: Okay. And at mm-hmm. one point you had to deal, didn't you have a knee injury at one point?
0: I had a knee injury my first year, man. Oh, well, was your I was, first year. Well, I had one my junior year in college, and then my first year in the NFL, I had a knee injury.
1: Okay. Yeah. And yeah. was that incredibly damaging to your mental health?
0: My first one in college, it was, and I didn't realize it, yeah. but it, it, it was so, it was so depression, man, because I, I had never been hurt in my life. Yeah. And my, my first injury was a uh, ACL, a major, major injury surgery.
1: Ooh, ACL yeah. tear?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Wow. And then, uh, so then they did the surgery, give you mm-hmm. a new ACL. Uh, was it out of your, like your hamstring? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: They took it from nope. They took it from my patella, I think.
1: Okay, okay. Yep. At
0: the time, at the time, they weren't really doing a lot of hamstring like they do now. Right. <clears throat> so at the time, I think they did my patella.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. And recovery, how was that? I mean, tough and recovery
0: what... was. It was. It was really rough. It was yeah. It was tough. It was. It was. It actually was more painful than the injury. Right. <laughs> it, right. It was wow. really real. I tell you this. I didn't rehab for about 2 weeks after I got out of the hospital.
1: Okay, because of the pain,
0: I laid on a nope, I laid on the couch for about 2 weeks, man, wouldn't move. Wow. Because I I never knew what it felt like to be injured, man. Right. I was like, "What the heck is going on? Like what's going to happen now?" You know, so I didn't rehab for 2 weeks, man. Yep. And it sounds like most of that was the mental aspect of it. It was a mental aspect, man. Yeah. I just I was stuck. I was like, what the heck? Right. What is it? You know, so yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. And so in the end, five years in the NFL, which by the way, I'm I have read that the average NFL a, what's that?
0: I think it's two and a half years. Yeah, average, yeah,
1: I think I read two and a half or three years. Um, yeah. which at first just like really blew me away and shocked me, but I'm sure. I mean, that's the wear and tear on the body, younger guys coming up, right, and all that stuff. But it wasn't your knee injury that that ended your career.
0: It wasn't that. It was um my ha- actually my hamstring.
1: Oh, so it wasn't injury though.
0: Um, well, it was well, it was my hamstring that it was uh, a pull hammy.
1: Okay, that and and old age at your young age of uh. <laughs> In the NFL. Ah, ah,
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't oh then <laughs> I yeah then.
1: awesome wow what a career that is fantastic yeah, yeah. you got a, a a favorite game or play that stands out in your memory from your five years in the nfl
0: yeah man you know um playing against the eagles in the preseason with the new york jets man i think nick Foles was the quarterback you know, I had opportunity to play, and I sacked him and got a sack fumble. That will, that will always be one of my favorite moments. That is plan. awesome. Yeah, that's one of my favorite moments, yeah. You never
1: forget a thing like that, I would imagine.
0: No, nah, you can't. No, nah, you can't. Yeah,
1: that is so cool. And now, Ricky, now you're doing some incredible work. I know you've got your own foundation. You're doing a lot of public speaking. You're working with youth. Tell us, uh, Tell us what you got going on.
0: Well, I figured out my purpose in life about a year and a half, two years after I got done in the NFL. And I figured out my purpose was kids. Um, oh. So, yeah, man. So so now what I do is I do motivational speaking um, where, I, you know, I, I speak to kids and travel and speak to kids and, and give them a message. I got my own nonprofit foundation. It's called the Ricky Sapp Foundation, uh, where I have several events throughout the whole year. Um, that's geared, geared towards kids and, you know, also geared towards uh, helping families as well during the holidays. Um, I, and then I was a substitute teacher. Um, and then, you know, I was the dancing substitute teacher. You know, so what I would do is I would dance with the kids um, at school. Um, and I also I have coached high school football for the last three years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I do a lot. I do a lot. And I have my own podcast as well. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have my own podcast and it's called talk to me Tuesday. So I, I, yeah, I, I try to do a lot uh, to get my, my message out there because I want to travel as much as I can and, and, and speak to as many kids as possible. Yeah.
1: That is awesome. What a great, great mission. How long have you had the podcast going?
0: My podcast is, is fairly new. My podcast is almost, coming up on year three, I think. Okay. Awesome. I think. Yeah. And
1: the, the podcast is primarily inspirational talk by you.
0: Yeah. 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 My my, my podcast is all about encouragement, you know, talking about, you know, I talk about anxiety and depression a little bit, but it's it's definitely a a motivational podcast.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Tell us the name of it again.
0: Talk to me Tuesday.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, and where can people find out uh, more about, where can they find the podcast? Where can they find uh, more out about the Ricky Sapp Foundation?
0: Well, I have my own website, and it's called therickysappfoundation.com. Uh, you can go there and find out about my my uh, foundation. Uh, you can also find out about my podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify and many, many more platforms. You can also um, go to my social media. I'm on Instagram, um Rsap Foundation on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, Ricky Sap. I'm on Twitter, um Sap91. So I'm on all social media uh, platforms. I'm on YouTube. I got my own YouTube channel. Awesome. So and I and I'm always posting stuff about what I'm doing with kids, when I go speak to kids and in my podcast.
1: That's super cool. Uh, one one place I saw uh, that I don't think he mentioned yet is uh, I think I got it off of your Twitter Twitter bio, uh, Rickysap.com.
0: Yeah, so that's my motivational speaking website. That's where people can go and you know book me to speak, um, and awesome. it's called RickySap.com. Okay. You can go there and check out what I offer and then and, and book me to come speak. Yep.
1: Okay, that is so cool. So yeah, I'm going to make sure all of that information is in the show notes too so that people can get to it easily and find you. Man, what's your favorite part about the inspirational speaking uh, when you do public speaking in front of the kids?
0: My most favorite part about it is th- just delivering that message that I have for them. But I love kids so much, man. I, I I just love to, I love to be in front of them, and I love to see them smile. Yeah. So when I so when so when I do motivational speaking. With kids, you know, depending on the age group—well, actually, any age group. What I do with kids is, um, I dance with them. You know, I dance with them. I have—I I, I always have kids that want to race me. Um, awesome. But I—but I paint these—I paint these signs that have, um, "Dear kids, I love you," and I have another one that have, "I will succeed. I will win. Success is mine." And I have the kids take pictures with these. With these signs. So I just love to, I love to encourage the kids. That's what I'm here for. That's my purpose. And that's the fun part about, you know, going and speaking to kids.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, so be before we wrap up, I love to ask you, um, and I try to ask this at the end of every interview, if somebody is out there listening right now and they're, maybe they're in the same boat you were in right like there's they're really struggling they're just shoving stuff down and trying to get through it and think something might be going on what would be your first uh, big piece of advice for them
0: my first advice would be is to find somebody you can trust and just tell them to just listen and not talk and just say whatever it is you need to say that that's that's very important that you find somebody that you that you can talk to yeah it's very important.
1: absolutely and I, I'm so excited to hear, you know, all that Rex Ryan did for you and, and how normalized he tried to make it for players to to jump in and, and get some therapy and stuff. That's that's such awesome. That's so awesome to hear. So, Ricky, I want to thank you. Uh, man, what a career. You got a lot, a lot to be proud of. I really appreciate you being public and sharing your story, sharing about your difficulties growing up through in school and and so forth. And what an incredible story of perseverance, you know, and uh, you've done so much. So thank you for all of the work you're putting out there now. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show as well.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All
1: right. Awesome. Well, stay healthy.
0: Thank you so much. I will.
1: Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the U.S., you can text 741741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression or any other mental illness and would like to be interviewed for the show, Or, if you'd simply like to suggest a topic, please reach out to me on Twitter at allevin18 or email me at thedepressionfiles at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files.